Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Change Your Thinking, Change Your Life podcast. My name is Michelle Burkhardt, and I'm your host. So today's episode is a little bit different. We're going to take a break from the generosity that we've been talking about. Uh, I really felt led to share this with you. So I recently did a video for another group I'm working with. They are a group of education leaders coming together to really understand how can we serve our, our, our children and families well during this time. And I did a video for them. And basically, it was talking about how to influence, serve and connect. So really some foundational principles about leadership. And I thought, man, I would love to share this with you. So I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to let you have it because you know what? They paid me for it already and it's really good stuff. And why not? Uh, you all are loyal listeners to the T and I so love you. Uh, I, I really appreciate you. And I just want to bring my best stuff to you. So enjoy. Uh, you can take notes if you want, or you can just listen and, and, you know, kind of think about how does this apply to you? And remember that leadership is, is not about a position or a title. You have so many leadership roles that you might not even know about. Okay. So, so break out of that thinking of, I'm not the boss. This doesn't apply to me. If you are living and breathing, this applies to you. Okay. Enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome. So this is your teaching video for the week in our 21 Laws of Leadership course. All right, so a couple things. Uh, first of all, remember that this is the teaching video, so I'm going to introduce to you actually four laws today of leadership. You need to go back and read, okay, because I'm literally just introducing you them to you and giving you some examples. But when you read the book, it's really going to flesh those out, okay? Um, also, remember that we talked about, uh, John talks about the five levels of leadership. So how you progress through your map of leadership, right? So we talked about on Friday how the way that I'm structuring these laws is really following along with that idea of the five levels map. So if it seems like we're a little out of order, so for example, today we're doing uh, chapters two, five, nine, and 10. Yes, they're out of order as far as what the book puts, puts it in, the 21 laws of leadership, but they're in order as far as the five levels of leadership map, okay? And the reason why I wanted to do that, because I really want us to spend a lot more time on those uh, lower levels of leadership laws, because most of you found when you took the, the test that you're at that lower level. So we want to make sure that you have those laws going so that you're practicing them, you're doing them, you're reflecting on them, uh, and you're getting your questions answered. Okay. So my goal is throughout this course is to get to all 21 of the laws. Uh, we'll see. We'll see where we go with that. Okay. So today, if you want to follow along during the, the teaching video, we're going to be on chapter two, which is influence chapter five, which is addition chapter nine, which is magnetism. And then chapter 10, which is connection. Okay. All right. So, uh, chapter two is the law of influence. This is really, really important to understand that influ uh, leadership is influenced nothing more, nothing less. I'm going to say that again. Leadership is influence, nothing more, 
nothing less. Most people, especially when they're first starting out in the role of a leader, think that their role or their position or their title somehow gives them authority over people. And it does for a time, you, 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 but you, you get about six months of what we call free credibility. And then after that point, you need to be able to influence people, okay? So leadership is really about influencing, not are you the boss? I'm gonna give you a couple examples. So uh, many of us, we, we work with children, uh, very young children at that. Kids, very young kids, have influence over us. If you've ever been a parent and you bring your child home the first day at, you know, of coming home from the hospital, so, you know, up until that point, you've maybe had some help, but the first time that you and maybe your, your significant other are, are with that baby and nobody else is around to help you and the baby cries and you're like, uh, what do I do? <laughs> right? So you run down the list. Do they need to be feed, fed? Do they need to be changed? Do you know what, what's happening? How can I help them? Right? That child and obviously without them understanding or knowing what's happening, but they are having influence on you, okay? They are literally making you change something you do and say because of, of their need that they're communicating, okay? Does that make sense? They're not the boss of you, <laughs> and, and good parents figure that out. You're not the boss of me, right? Uh, however, they have a lot of influence on you. Now, as far as in the workplace goes, I, I, I love this example that, that when I was a school administrator, I was a center director, uh, I had, you know, there, there were other people that had titles. So we had an assistant director, we had uh, lead teachers, we had assistant teachers, uh, you name it, we had it, right? However, there was one staff member who didn't have a title. She didn't have a position. She was the oldest member of our crew. We had a very young crew at the time, uh, and, but she had the most experience in the field, even more than I did. Uh, she didn't have the education, so therefore, you know, based on the, the current system, she was not allowed to uh, go and become the, the assistant director like I really wanted her to be. However, she had a ton of influence. So specifically around the area of understanding how to work with families. And to the point where if any of my staff had to talk to families about anything that was sensitive in nature, they had to go to the staff member first because she could tell them, oh, yep, you gotta be aware of this. And you gotta think about that, right? And she also had a knack for asking the group questions. When we were in a staff meeting, she would ask questions to get us thinking, and the questions were like gold. So this one staff member was probably the most influential person, I, I would say maybe even more influential than I was, to everybody on staff, and she never had a position. Why is that important? You know, I'm going to assume that if you're listening to this, you probably have some sort of position or you want one. And you need to understand that just because you have the name on the door does not mean you have influence. 
So the, the next three laws that I'm going to share with you are really in an effort to help you increase your influence. But you need to understand that just because you have authority does not mean that equals influence. Okay? All right, so the next one is going to be chapter five. This is the law of addition. So write down the law of addition and then write down um, uh, leaders add value by serving others. Leaders add value by serving others. Okay, so this really is a foundational item as far as servant leadership goes. Couple ideas to think about here. Uh, we want to value all people. So let me clarify what that means. Uh, valuing people means you see where they're at right now. So let's say, you know, one of your staff members is just having a hard time in life. We want to value that person even if, you know, maybe they're having what we call in our house a moment, right? Uh, maybe your, your coworker is, is just, just struggling right now. We want to value them as a person. We want to encourage them. We want to lift them up. We want to support them. What happens if you have uh, somebody in, in your, maybe your staff or, or maybe a family member who is what we call a, a lower level of awareness? So they, they don't get it, okay? They just don't get it for some reason and you can't quite figure it out. We still wanna value them as a person, okay? Putting people first is probably a foundational item about leadership. It's not about your to-do list. It's not about, I've gotta fill out this paperwork. It's not about, are we bringing in money? Your job is people. Okay, remember that. If you've got to tattoo that on the back of your hand, your job is people, okay? And value all people. So not just the ones that you like, not just the ones that are important to you, like your boss, value all people, okay? And then another piece of this that, that you can begin to add onto as you grow in your leadership you want to make yourself more valuable to your people. So what does that mean? So there's a couple things. First of all, I think about, you know, how much value can you add to somebody if you don't know how to help them? So for example, you know, it, can you go take a training? And many of you, I, I just applaud you and thank you for investing so much time in, in your own learning and growth because it's not just going to help you. It's going to help everybody that, that you're working with. Can you um, uh, get your people connected to your network? That is something I'm trying to do a lot more of these days, is realizing it's not just the, the things that I've learned, my education, my experience, you know, bringing you the, the laws of leadership, but I can make myself more valuable to you and the people I serve by getting you connected to my coaches, my mentors, uh, whether it be in book form, right? So we're talking about the 21 laws of leadership, but I could easily talk about, I don't know, I've got six different stacks of books here on my desk. I could pick any one of those, right? So I make myself more valuable to you by pointing you in the direction of, oh, if you want to learn about that, go over here, right? Or, oh, you've got a question about that, plug into this group on Facebook because they'll give you the answer, okay? 
So this law of addition is really twofold. How do you go out and value people, but how do you bring more value to your people? Okay. All right, so the next law, uh, it, and again, remember, I'm going rather quickly here because I'm just introducing you to the law, giving you an example, and you're supposed to go back to the book and read more, okay? So the second, or the third law is chapter nine, and it's the law of magnetism, okay? So the law of magnetism says, who you are is who you attract. Who you are is who you attract. So I wanna clarify this a little bit. Um, first of all, it, it kinda goes back to that idea of birds of a feather flock together, right? Uh, that that uh, there is a principle at play that people who are alike or similar tend to flock together. So it's similar mindset, similar preferences for things. And uh, you know, if you're a new leader and you're just coming on and your staff was already established, one thing that you need to be aware of is that typically what happens when you begin to hire your people for the first time, you begin to hire people that are like you. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's also not necessarily a good thing. We do like to have groups of people who are very diverse, and not just diverse in their skin color, but diverse in their thoughts and ideas. So instead of hiring somebody that's just like you, think about who do we need on this team, right? Um, so the law of magnetism says who you are is who you're going to attract. People will come to you, there's this uh, idea of rapport, which is, uh, we like each other and there's a likability. So there's two things you need to be think of uh, in this law of magnetism. The first one is that I cannot tell you how many times I've worked with my coaching clients and they'll come to me and say, Michelle, this person, I just can't handle them right now. They have a negative attitude, they're complaining all the time, uh, nothing is ever right and they go on and on and on and on and it's funny because I, I'll just let them go on and on and I'll realize that everything that they're saying about this person they're doing in the moment they're complaining they're having a negative attitude they're not you know taking taking their their responsibility in their own hands and I'll try to gently point that out to them and say hmm I wonder why that's an issue. And typically what we find out is that if you're dealing with very negative people on your staff, you might need to check your own attitude, okay? Because who you are is who you attract. And sometimes you're attracting that kind of an attitude. Great example is, you know, I've got three kids. They're 11, almost 14, and 16. Uh, they definitely keep me busy for sure. I have noticed when I have a negative attitude, guess what? Everybody in the house typically has a negative attitude. Now when I have a positive attitude, it's not a guarantee that they'll all be positive, uh, but, but typically I'll get two out of three, right? They kind of take turns to see who's on the outs. And so, you know, the first thing that we should always do, and I say we because this is me too, 
the first thing we should always do is when we're dealing with difficult or challenging people to stop and say, wait a minute, is there something I'm doing or not doing that's adding to this problem? So for example, I remember distinctly, I had a boss one time and I just kept coming back to him and saying, I need this. I need this. I need this. Like, I cannot do my job unless I have this, this, and this. And, you know, I I was not getting any help. And I also was getting a negative attitude. And so after a while, I just said, oh, there you go. I, I didn't know what I know now, okay? And so I began to mirror his attitude. And he had a problem with that. You know, after a couple of weeks, he came back. He's like, I don't know what's wrong with you. And I said, I can tell you what's wrong with me. First of all, you're doing the same thing. And secondly, I told you I need these things and you're not doing anything. Now, I think we needed to, to kind of come to that disagreement because after that, things changed in, in our relationship and he realized how much of an impact what he says and does had on me and vice versa. Okay, so we got to negotiate that. So the first thing I always think about is when I'm dealing with somebody and there's a a little, maybe not negative, but maybe a wonky interaction, okay, in my technical term for that, uh, that I think, is there something that I said or did? Now, sometimes the answer is a clear yes. Maybe I came into a meeting and I wasn't fully prepared for that meeting. Uh, Maybe the answer is no. Okay, no, I, I, I came, I was ready, I, you know, I did everything I knew how, I'm adding value, I'm, you know, and then I know, okay, it's not about me. That's when we switch into the second piece of this law of magnetism. Sometimes it's not about you, okay? Uh, I, I found a time in my life several years ago, I was doing a ton of training in the area of trauma and resilience. Uh, and you know, even more recently, I've been doing a lot more teaching on forgiveness. And I realized because of my own journey throughout life, uh, you know, you may or may not know this about me, but I, I didn't have the greatest of upbringings. Uh, I, my parents did the very best they could with what they had and what they knew. Uh, they just didn't have a lot. They didn't know a lot. Okay. Uh, and so I was put in situations where there was physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, neglect, poverty, uh, all kinds of things. And I say that because I've had to walk that journey of understanding and forgiveness and really um, trying to understand them, the situation, myself. And how did that early trauma play into my life? And how can I build resilience in my life, okay? So at a certain time, I was not only doing the teaching on uh, trauma and resilience, I was of course walking through that for myself, and I was beginning to really share my experiences. Realized that my story added value. Uh, It wasn't just to, to tell my story, but it really helped people understand No, what I'm talking about really is important because it really can change your life, okay? And I realized that people were being attracted to me and I got a little freaked out because I had just learned about this law of magnetism, who you are is who you attract. And I was attracting people who, in my opinion, were very broken, who had severe issues. Many of them needed to go to counseling and probably a lot, okay? And I was concerned because I was looking around at all these people going, 
who am I attracting? Right? And then I realized, wait a minute, wait a minute, there is another reason. So the, the first reason is that, you know, if, if, if you're attracting negativity, it might be your attitude that you need to check. But the second reason for magnetism is that sometimes people see something in you and they need that. Okay. And I realized that these people who sought me out needed the healing and that forgiveness process. And so you know, I, I say that because sometimes your people that you lead are going to need something from you and you might not know it. Uh, I always give this great example. You know, I, I had staff that would come and just kind of hang out at my office door, just stand there and hang out. And I'm like, okay, w w what's going on? At some point I was thinking in my head, uh, don't you have tiny humans to look after? Like, why are you just standing here? And I realized they needed something. They needed connection, they needed relationship. And so I, I did learn how to navigate some things. There were some times where I had to just say, hey, listen, I really wanna to talk to you about this. I don't have time right now. Can we you know, talk about it from one to 1.15 this afternoon? That worked out really well for me. Then there were other times where I had to just make a mental note. I gotta check in with that person. S something's happening and I gotta check in, okay? So, you know, uh, I, I teach actually several different trainings on working with challenging people. Uh, there's one session that I actually do a little module on, and the title is Because People, <laughs> okay? Uh, if, if you work with, live with, worship with, play with people, you know people can be difficult sometimes. So the first rule of working with challenging people is to not be one. Okay, so again, back to that first first uh, point in the law of magnetism. And the second rule is to really serve them wherever they are. Understand that they all have needs themselves and it's not fair to just think of them as, you know, cogs in the wheel of the machine of your work. They're actual people, okay? So that's the law of magnetism. And then the last one is chapter 10, the law of connection. So I want you to write down law of connection. And then the statement to remember on this one is that leaders touch a heart before they ask for a hand. Leaders touch a heart before they ask for a hand. So I, I love the example of working with kids. I just think some of those examples are so much easier to understand than working with adults. Uh, so when my children were really little, uh, we would go through and let's say we needed to go out and do some errands or we needed to do chores. Chores is a great example. So on a Saturday morning, we, we would sit at the table and we'd say, okay, you know, these are the five chores we need to get done today. And, you know, the kids were ranging from two to six at this time. And I'd say, okay, these are the chores we need to get done. Uh, who wants to do what? You know, and they all had their favorite things. And then I would say, okay, who wants to do it by themselves or do it with a partner? And I'd say, what are we gonna do first? And they always knew that we're, we're gonna do a chore and then when that chore is done, then we're going to uh, play a game or go outside or do whatever. So we had two columns. We had here's our chores and here are the fun things we're going to do. And then we go through and create our plan. Okay, we'll do this chore first, then we'll play outside, then we'll do this, and we'll do this. So 
typically within two to three hours, we would have all five of our major chores done and we would also have done all of these really cool, fun things. And at the end of the time, we'd have all our chores done and we all liked each other and we had fun. Uh, and it just made the day go by really quickly. And I didn't realize how much of an awesome thing that was until a few years later, I was doing a ton of traveling, lots of speaking and training. And my husband was typically home with the kids on a Saturday. And you know, by the time I would get home at like four or five o'clock, uh, no chores would be done. And nobody liked each other. <laughs> Everybody kind of went to their own rooms and stayed there. And so I started to try to understand what was happening and I realized, okay, he didn't have the same process. He didn't need to have the same process. It just is what it is, right? However, he was uh, much more in that authoritative, I'm your dad, I told you to do it, you should just do it. Hey, wouldn't that be great? Hey, wouldn't it be great if you could just tell your employees, show up to work on time and they just did, right? Uh, you, you know, fill out this paperwork and they just do. So uh, I realized throughout this process that the, the magic was in the connection throughout the whole process. So it wasn't just that we're going to do a chore and we're going to do, go do something fun. The magic was sitting at the table going through the plan together. We were connecting with each other. We were building that relationship. I was honoring them. Which chore do you want to do? Do you want to do it by yourself? Do you want to do it with, with a buddy? Um, what order do you want to do it in? Because quite frankly, I didn't care about the order, right? I didn't care. As long as the chores get done, I don't care how we do it. But connecting with the, with the kids and then saying, let's go do it, and then having that connecting time in between, good leaders touch a heart before they ask for a hand. We connect first, okay? Um, you, you know, we were talking on our uh, Friday Zoom, and some of you, you left a little bit early. Actually, you left when I released you, but we, we hung out a little bit longer. And Juliana was talking about, um, you know, how, how do I, she's very task-oriented. And some people are task-oriented, some people are people-oriented, some people have a little bit of both. And Juliana, I could tell right away, is very task-oriented, but thankfully her assistant director, Tammy, is very people-oriented. So we talked about this process of, of uh, working together and how that's a really good thing. But Juliana had a great question. She said, uh, you know, how can I become more people oriented? I said, oh, this is awesome because I found that the task oriented folks, sometimes it's a lot easier to understand how to be people oriented. You can just make people into check boxes. Now, you know, I don't want to seem insensitive, but when you remind yourself that people are first and they're the first thing that I need to check on my list, then you can turn it into something where you can connect with people. So one of the ideas that was thrown around is that every single day she would go to a new person uh, on staff and she would just ask them a question, what can I do for you today? How can I help you? How can I serve you? Notice it was only one person, not the whole staff, okay? Uh, because if you do that for the whole staff, that's all you'll be doing all day long. Uh, but it was an intentional way to make connections and to show people on staff that she's open and willing to not only have conversations, but to serve them and, and help them in whatever way, okay? 
Keep it simple, guys. It does not have to be some long, drawn-out, complex plan. Okay? That's going to help Juliana connect with her staff. All right. Those are the four laws for this week. So again, um, I want you to read or at least, at least skim those four chapters. Listen, I know life shows up, you know, do your best. Uh, honestly, the, the amount of time and effort you put into this, this six-week course, uh, it, it's totally up to you. And your return is going to be based on that investment that you put in. So totally up to you. I'm not going to be the, the homework police or anything. I would highly suggest, though, that uh, as you go through your book, take some notes so that when we come back on Friday, we can have that conversation about what you learned, what you did. Uh, and then remember, too, that you know, even if you just show up to class and you flip through the book and go, ah, yeah, okay, I remember that part, okay? Um, just come to class with something uh, that, that you can share with us that you, okay, I did this activity. That's another thing. Uh, so there are four chapters. I do not want you to do the activities in all four chapters. At the end of, of the chapter, there's going to be sometimes one to four different activities. No, I don't want you to do all of that. That's too much. Pick one chapter. So whichever one of those chapters grabbed your attention. So influence, addition, magnetism, connection. Pick one of those chapters and do the activities at the end of that chapter, okay? Whatever it tells you to do, go and do. So when we see you on Friday, I want to hear about what did you learn? So it might have been something that you read. It might have been something that you heard on the video today that just kind of stuck in your brain. Could be an activity that you did and you're like, oh, I tried this and this really worked or maybe it didn't, okay? So come prepared with something to share. And uh, I cannot wait to hear from you what you're going to learn. So thank you so much for, for showing up, guys. I, I hope this added value to you. Uh, I will see you soon. All right. Bye-bye.